The House and Senate are both in recess this week. Both House and Senate will return to work on Monday, May 7th. Last week on the House floor, the House came back to work on Tuesday and they passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Wednesday, the House took up and passed both H.R. 3144 to provide for operations of the federal Columbia River power plant system and to H.R. 5447, the Music Modernization Act. On Thursday and Friday, the House considered H.R. 4, the FAA Reauthorization Act. On Friday, the House passed the bill by a vote of 393 to 13. Later on Friday, the House considered H.R.E.S. 856, a motion to establish a select committee to investigate the resignation of House Chaplain Father Patrick Conroy. The resolution was tabled by a vote of 215 to 171. This week on the House floor, they're in recess. There won't be any action. Last week on the Senate floor, the Senate came back to work last Monday. They voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Stuart Kyle Duncan to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. On Tuesday, by a vote of 50 to 47, he was confirmed to that position. On Thursday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Mike Pompeo to be Secretary of State. The vote passed by 57 to 42. Then the Senate voted to confirm him to that position by the same margin, 57 to 42. Then the Senate voted to confirm Richard Grinnell to serve as U.S. Ambassador to the Federal Republic of Germany. That vote to confirm was 56 to 42, and then they were done. This week on the Senate floor, as I said, they're in recess. There will be no action on the Senate floor. Week three of the Comey book tour, and things aren't getting any better for the former FBI director. On Thursday evening of last week, he sat for a live interview on Fox News Special Report, where host Brett Baer grilled him. Comey knew he was going to be in for a rough interview when Baer opened up by asking if it was true that the FBI had decided not to charge Hillary Clinton before even interviewing her. Comey denied it. Bear asked if there were anything Clinton could have said or done in her FBI interview that would have led to a prosecution. And Comey said they would have prosecuted her if she had lied to them. Bear then played a videotape of Congressman Trey Gowdy asking a series of questions of Comey in an open congressional hearing from last year, each of which led to Comey saying, in essence, that Clinton had lied. Comey said those lies weren't important to the case because the FBI doesn't prosecute people for lying to the public. The FBI prosecutes people who lie to them. Then Bear played a clip of President Trump from that morning's edition of Fox and Friends in which he accused Comey of leaking classified information. Comey responded forcefully, and I quote, it's in my book. The FBI cleared that book before it could be published. That's a false statement, end quote. Last week, the Justice Department's Office of the Inspector General said it was opening an investigation into exactly that to determine whether or not Comey did leak classified information. According to the Wall Street Journal, the inspector general has reportedly said that at least two of the memos Comey leaked to his friend contained classified information. Of course, in the interview with Bayer, Comey even denied that passing the memos to his friend so his friend could give them to the media counted as a leak. But perhaps the most astounding part of the interview was when Bear brought up the Steele dossier. Almost nine minutes into the interview, after having begun a discussion of the Steele dossier, Bear asked Comey, quote, when did you learn that the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign had funded Christopher Steele's work? And Comey responded, yeah, I still don't know that for a fact. What do you mean? Bear asked. Comey replied, quote, I've only seen it in the media. I never knew exactly which Democrats had funded. I knew it was funded at first by Republicans. Bear interjected, but that's not true. That's not true that the dossier that Christopher Steele worked on was funded by Republicans. Comey said, quote, 
my understanding was his work started funded by as opposition research funded by Republicans. Bear interjected again. So Free Beacon said they had Bled Simpson and Fusion GPS on a kind of retainer, but they did not fund the Christopher Steele memo or the dossier. That was initiated by Democrats. Comey said, okay, my understanding was the activity was begun that Steele was hired to look into, was first funded by Republicans, then picked up. The important thing was picked up by Democrats opposed to Donald Trump, end quote. It didn't get any better from there. I've included a link to the YouTube clip of the entire interview and also a link to Tucker Carlson interviewing Trey Gowdy on the Comey interview. You'll find both links in this week's suggested reading. On the immigration front, on Wednesday of last week, the Supreme Court heard its last case of its current term. That was the case challenging President Trump's third travel ban. Based on the questioning by the members of the court, it appears the travel ban will be confirmed. We expect to hear the ruling on this case in late June. And speaking Saturday night in Washington, Michigan, at a campaign rally he traveled to so as to counter the White House Correspondents Association dinner in Washington, D.C. that same night, President Trump promised to shut down the government this fall if the Congress does not send him an appropriations bill that fully funds his desired border wall. Quote, we have to have borders and we have to have them fast and we need the wall. Trump said before referring to the appropriations bill he expects will be sent his way in September. Quote, we come up again on September 28th and we don't get border security. We have no choice. We'll close down the country because we need border security. End quote. On the Iran front, President Trump hosted a state visit by Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, early last week. During their several meetings, Macron did his best to convince Trump that the Iran nuclear deal was worth saving. The result? Trump softened his threatening words of recent weeks and indicated that he might be interested in an unspecified new deal with Iran, but he continued to insist that he just might withdraw from the United States from the 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. We'll know within the next two weeks. The next deadline for the Iran deal is May 12th. On the North Korean front, Friday, the leaders of North Korea and South Korea met in the demilitarized zone and signed a joint declaration recognizing, quote, a nuclear-free Korean peninsula and, quote, complete denuclearization as their common goal. This was one of the events leading to a potential summit meeting later in May or June between North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un and President Trump. Moreover, the two Korean leaders agreed to begin discussions this year with Washington aimed at negotiating a peace treaty to formally end the Korean War. On the Pompeo nomination, Rand Paul changed his mind. That's what it comes down to. Assured by both the president and by Pompeo himself that Pompeo agreed with Trump that, quote, the Iraq war was a mistake and that it is time to leave Afghanistan, end quote, Paul announced he would support Pompeo's confirmation. That meant that the Senate Foreign Relations Committee could report Pompeo's nomination to the floor with a favorable recommendation. But even that wasn't assured until Democrat Chris Coons of Delaware employed a tactic of days gone by. He paired his vote with that of Georgia Republican Johnny Isaacson, who was out of town delivering a eulogy. Coons voted present when the roll was called, so the committee vote could be favorable. Once the nomination was out of committee and headed for the floor, a whole bunch of red state Democrats decided discretion was the better part of valor and voted for him, lest a vote against Pompeo be used against them in their re-election campaigns this fall. The final vote tally to confirm was 57 to 42. On the Senate rules front, 
Last Wednesday, the Senate Rules Committee voted to approve a proposal offered by Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma that would cut down on floor time debate requirements for certain executive branch and judicial branch nominees. Passed in committee on a party line vote of 10 to 9, the proposal would reduce the maximum debate time for non-cabinet level executive branch nominees from 30 hours to 8 and for district court nominees from 30 hours to 2. On the spending front, that rescissions bill under discussion at the White House is apparently shrinking. When we first heard about it several weeks ago, the White House officials were said to be seeking as much as $60 billion in cuts. That number has apparently been halved to about $25 billion. I think it's likely we'll eventually get a vote on the floor of the House on this matter. Passage in the House is uncertain, though. There are a lot of Republicans opposed to it on the grounds that voting to rescind funds that they just devoted, they just voted to appropriate would be tantamount to going back on their word to their Democrat colleagues. Apparently, they care more about their relations with their Democrat colleagues than they do about keeping their promises to their constituents. Finally, on the staffing front, last Thursday, after enduring several days worth of bruising headlines, Admiral Ronnie Jackson withdrew his nomination to serve as the next Secretary of Veterans Affairs. And that's our Washington Report for this week. 